0: Namaskar and welcome to Daily Global Insights, episode number 258. A shout out to our viewers to like this program so it can reach its maximum potential. Today is Monday, the 4th of October and here are the main points. India crosses 900 million vaccine doses and active numbers continue to fall. A total of 25, uh, the number might be higher now, uh, Chinese military aircraft enter Taiwan's air defense incursion zone on its national day havana syndrome continues to baffle american officials as it takes its toll on diplomats military and intelligence officials biden goes on the offensive as his economic agenda teeters nancy pelosi concedes defeats on the infrastructure bill sri namaskar and welcome to pre channel sir and we kick off
1: another week and uh, Yes, there's plenty of news uh, happening around the world. Uh, The Chinese belligerence never seems to stop.
0: Yes, sir. And in Indian news, India crosses 900 million vaccine doses and active numbers continue to fall. The first batch of Zydus COVID-19 vaccine released by government for young age group. India and UK in talks for early resolution of COVID travel rules will follow. So we have a lot of activity happening around covid it appears that india might be actually setting the trend for the other countries to follow have your vaccines start you know uh, you know inoculating like crazy and and get healthy i am very very pleased with this effort of uh, president uh, prime minister modi sir well, I think India is uh,
1: is uh, rocketing away. Uh, you know, it's about by the you know uh, nine hundred and thirteen million as of you know Monday this morning, uh, and they are vaccinating at the rate of about seven to seven and a half million vaccination doses per day. So another hundred million in the next uh, you know few days uh, is within the realms of possibility. Uh, you know, pushing its way towards that 800 million dosage mark in terms of number one single doses and they're already at 250 million. So as you said, uh, India is showing the way. I think most important factor that needs to be uh, taken cognizant of is the Covaxin has worked and even the the variant uh, Covishield, which is the AstraZeneca version, uh, seems to be having very mo- moderate to minimum collateral effects on patients, which is encouraging everybody to get online as opposed to a lot of controversies around the world. So India is on its way. Uh, the domestic production is up. If you recall the, uh, the Zyco uh, vaccine, which we had talked about the three-dose uh, injectionless vaccine, as they say, uh, is now going to go into trial with uh, uh, the young group. So, yes. India is showing the way. The number of active cases is around two sixty to seventy thousand. Uh, there again, you know, reduce the active cases to twenty thousand. So I think, as you as you rightly say, uh, India is on its way. There are only two countries which are really battling at the upper end, which is United States and
0: United Kingdom. And Colombia's Vice President Marta Lucia Ramirez calls for joint vaccine production with India. We'll wait and see what happens. India deploys a regiment of K9 Vajra self-propelled howitzers along the LAC, the line of actual control with China in Ladakh. The BRO, the Border Roads Organization, kicks off construction of five major projects, including the connectivity project between Indus and Shayok valleys. The CDS, Chief of Defence Staff or Defence Services, I don't remember what the S means, General Bipin Rawat and the United States Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin discussed enhanced India-US cooperation in new domains including space. Sridharji, India is actually quietly and determinedly uh, getting ready for a possible conflict with China. Uh, I hope this is all for deterrence. Uh, I I don't know what uh, uh, you make of all these different uh, developments all around uh, India, sir well uh, i think on the on the defense postures uh, around the line of actual control
1: uh, as well as in the ladakh and the other parts uh, we also talked about the incursion around the uttarakhand uh, india has prepared itself uh, from a combative point of view uh, reasonably well uh, while continuing to uh, you know engage uh, there are uh, analysts and commentators who critique Uh, this engagement with the Chinese uh, military, notwithstanding the fact every engagement results in some stalling of discussions or some perceptions of disengagement only to see China uh, building up. So my view is India is accepting that they continue to engage while around this, what you call the buffer zone, they seem to be making incursions and changing status to your point whether there is likely to be a war or whether this is just a deterrence if i have to look at the belligerence that the chinese have demonstrated around various points of con- conflict i believe that there is going to be some type of an accident which will trigger something like the galwan valley china is not going to stop sir unless they are sent home you know a good number of people which the chinese population begins to decline and reject as non-acceptance and basically to live in peace and harmony with the rest of the world. Because right around everywhere, they are engaged in this belligerence. So I think India is saying, okay, you keep on coming, uh, but we'll go on building our infrastructure and we are ready for it. So uh, that seems to be the scenario. While that goes on, and you know, you have the uh, Lloyd Austin having discussions with, I think chief of defence of staff. I don't know whether it is services. It's the chief of defence of staff, you know, of, of all the three forces. Mr. Rawat seems to have discussions uh, around the various uh, strategies, including space and collaboration in the defence production. I'm not sure what exactly is going to come out again on this uh, because there seems to be there the, 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 there is no connectivity between President Biden. As well as his Pentagon or the defense forces, because that seems that that evidence is coming out based on what has happened in Afghanistan.
0: India continues to push through its social welfare programs with water tap connection initiatives. Prime Minister Modi stating that they have done more in two years than the past 70 years. So this is a is this part of Swachh Bharat or is there a, a separate one for just getting clean water, clean drinking water, Sridharji?
1: This is some Jal Jeevan mission,
0: uh, you know, which is to
1: bring water to uh, the homes of people. Uh, I think they've got this project underway. Uh, Some big number uh, of people have been connected. There's a long way to go. But the fact is, one of the things that we have not touched on is the social welfare and social connectivity program that the modi government has accomplished during its first term and its second term doesn't matter whether it is uh, this jam program doesn't matter whether it is uh, the uh, the jaljeevan program doesn't matter it is this uh, arogya Prabha arogya uh, programs so healthcare programs doesn't matter whether during the pandemic uh, the free food that was given to 800 million people i think that's continuing till almost uh, the diwali time So the social welfare agenda of uh, or the social capital distribution uh, has been one of the hallmarks of the success of uh, uh, the Modi's uh, economic agenda.
0: And India's trade deficit spikes to twenty three billion with rising crude prices. India's exports jump over twenty one percent to thirty three point four four billion in September. GST collection rises by 23% to 1.17 lakh crores in September, reflecting a post-pandemic recovery. Uh, Sridharji, it was a given that it was, the economy was going to take a big hit. Now, things are beginning to look up for India. How do you foresee the tra- trajectory? I think the CEA thinks the, the growth is going to be around 7%. From 7 to say 12 to 13%, what do you think in your opinion India should be doing now.
1: To achieve a sustained 10% growth, uh, forget 12% you know, 10% growth if India can achieve we are doing uh, India would be doing a great job. I think it needs to do three things. One is uh, it often these monetization programs or the disinvestment programs they falter. In the process, the cash infusion you know gets out, and many of the other programs get stalled. So they have to sustain. Dr. Aravind Panagaria has made it a point repeatedly to mention India has to accelerate this disinvestment program and allow more capital to flow in. That sentiment was echoed by Steve Schwarzman in his three-minute or a four-minute video. That's number one. Number two, the National Infrastructure program, they're continuing to do well. So they have to sustain. The program that requires much, much needed attention is the MSME sector. So really the capital infusion must happen in the MSME sector, whether it is through creating a separate infrastructure bank or whether it is through uh, creating its own national funding mechanism, MSME sector requires a real big impetus because that is a big trigger in any economy, leave alone India. They are doing a decent job with regard to uh, the FPI foreign portfolio investment, which has seen continued growth, but only a very small percentage of Indian companies are uh, you know, publicly listed. That's why the MSME program is very critical. The services sector, both the manufacturing as well as the uh, agricultural sector has shown tremendous growth. The services sector still is a little bit lagging. So, for India to really get the impetus, it not not only must go back to the post-pandemic level, but must show an accelerated growth. Exports, they have got it right. They seem to be moving well on the export sector. The 400 billion dollars that have, that they have set out for FY22 uh, is a very FY22. Yes, is a good number. Then the last thing that I would, uh, you know, add um, is basically around this whole uh, uh, what you call uplifting the for you know loosening the rules. Uh, they have come mm-hmm. their retrospective taxation side, loosening the rules around the foreign capital flows to come in. This is the moment for them to receive uh, the capital because the world is distracted and to drive the program. So I think those are some of the things that they need to do, but not just business as usual, but to see whether they can accelerate.
0: And PM, in his address to Expo 2020 Dubai event, invites investors and asks them to be part of a growth story. India-UAE Free Trade Pact holds huge potential to boost trade and investment, says the Commerce Minister Piyush Goyal. India-Australia Free Trade Agreement to be completed by the end of 2022. Sridharji, looking together now, India suddenly has, uh, you know, partners of uh, close to equal to China and US in terms of trade, UAE, and then perhaps EU, UK, and Australia.
1: why uh, I think you asked in the previous, in the prior question. Uh, what's the other thing that they need to do? One of the things that I omitted is not just the free t- conclusion of these free trade agreements, but make sure that there are no hurdles in the execution. Some of these programs, the criticism that the Modi government receives is looks very good on paper, looks very good on optics, but really when you, whether you will convert some of these strategies into the realizable outcomes. So the proof is in completing the EU free trade agreement. Completing the UK free trade agreement, completing the Australian free trade agreement, completing the UAE free trade agreement, and making sure that those programs are rolled out. Not many people even realize that uh, you know, United Arab Emirates is the third largest trading partner for India, generating you know somewhere close to you know $55, $60 billion. dollars. Uh, you know, United States is the number one. China is number two, and United Arab Emirates is number three. Both investments and services, uh, as well as the exports to UAE, is a very significant number. Remember, we also talked about Israel, UAE, and U- and India corridor. That is targeted to be 110 billion dollars bilateral trade by 2024-25. So these are the programs that is going to accelerate India's aspirations to be a you know, $5 trillion economy, whether it by 2026, whether it's by 2027 um, and that can be only done when they can gas that 7% uh, to the 10% mark.
0: And In global news, a total of 25 or 35 um, Chinese military aircraft entered Taiwan's air defence incursion zone on its national day. Taiwan slams largest ever incursion by the Chinese Air Force. Sridharji, is the saber rattling um, being ratcheted up by a notch now uh, or uh, what do you see in these things? I mean, they have been doing this for now months.
1: They have ratcheted up
0: their uh,
1: antiques as well as noise uh, by a, by, uh, by a, a factor of two or by a factor of three. Uh, this was the most provocative move backed by a detailed article in global china times or global times course, which is mouthpiece. Ch- Ch- mouthpiece which is effectively to say hey you know this belongs to us this is our tower this is our country this is about our sovereignty so all of these planes in the air uh, defense zone air interp- air interception defense zone aidz in that hundred-mile narrow Taiwan Strait, of course, Taiwan is well prepared. I think Taiwan is prepared with or without United States. Strangely, Biden administration did issue a rejoinder or a rebuff to say that this is unacceptable. You know, mere rebuff of a you know uh, unacceptability is not going to stop. There is as as we could in the Daily Global Insights, we haven't seen any significant moment. We need some you know, force and let us see what Japan does now that the new Prime Minister has assumed office earlier today, Japan time.
0: Yes indeed and Japan's Kishida set to take over as Prime Minister begins to build network around him with allies and party allies. I think Kishida is more or less an Abe uh, mindset. So I think that should augur well for the world as a matter of fact. And I think he's going to dissolve the parliament by the 14th of October. And announce elections in November. So we'll have to say what uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Motegi is going to stay as Japan's foreign minister in a message of continuity and Japan slowly opens economy with the easing of COVID restrictions. Sir, you look back at this year, we have to commend Japan for going through with the Olympics, sir, even if it was low key, because people need to feel. That normalcy, even if it is slow, is returning in their lives. That's how I say it, Sridharji. I don't know what your thoughts are.
1: Uh, I echo your sentiments, which is namely, um, I was just uh, speaking with a couple of people uh, as we took a walk. Uh, one of the things that uh, you know, my doctor uh, who contacted uh, con- contacted the first uh, contracted the first uh, virus in March 2020 he mentioned at that point of time, it took nine weeks for him to recover. He came out and basically said, you know, you can't keep people inside the house. You got to get people out. They need to get back to the nature and they need to be told to behave as well as uh, to be careful. But shutting shutting people down and stopping all activity is not going to stop, uh, you know, preventing this thing from getting out of control. Lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. You know, we had the variants come in. We had shutdowns. We had, you know, the, we had growing uh, active cases around the world. Asia got impacted quite significantly. Um, and so, to your point, which is namely, Japan has done an outstanding job. It conducted the Olympics despite adversity. There was lack of. Uh, there was no support on the public side. But they conducted it. They are now getting on it. Uh, They do have a very good minister. I think she's likely to be, she's called as the vaccine minister. Uh, She's likely to be uh, probably inducted into the cabinet. Uh, So it requires three things. I think we discussed it again. Once uh, these formalities are complete, we will probably do one of the days uh, the Japan show. Um, And basically, this is going to be on three things one is the continued augmentation of the vaccines, increased defense and deterrence in the South Pacific, uh, South China Sea. The third thing is uh, macroeconomic policies, which is to lift the middle class, which has been significantly affected by COVID. And I think the fourth is they've got some interesting challenges. Japan is the chairperson of CPTPP uh, and uh, with uh, the uh, Chinese and the Taiwanese both announcing uh, candidacy for CPTPP, it presents an interesting uh, dilemma to, uh, to Japan uh, in that specific role. Clearly, two countries have basically said they do not want to have anything to do with China in CPTPP.
0: And Duterte says he is retiring from politics and will not run. But there are also talks that his daughter might in his place. So we'll have to wait and see. EU pushes back Australia trade talks over the France submarine snub. US, on the contrary, sidelines Europe in a battle to stem China's ambitions in Asia. So <laughs> suddenly now Europe and US seem to be working not exactly in sync. Siddhaji, how do you see it? Well, I think EU says,
1: I think we discussed it, we will use India as the as the, the conduit com- to make our way into Indo-Pacific Sea. UK says, I have a coalition with the United States. Now we have formed this Oscus. And then we also have a deal with Japan, so therefore we also are part of CPTPP. We are the number one applicant in that list, so we'll make our way through uh, through that uh, through that uh, uh, conduit. The question, therefore, is why is Australia, why is United States so anti EU? Uh, You know, begs the question. There's been, I think, you'd have uh, heard from. Ah, uh, quite a few people on this topic of this deal that is getting pulled out that you know France getting pulled out and uh, and then Aust- uh, united kingdom uh, being uh, you know stuck into this submarine deal uh, to me i think that there are strategic reasons but there are also i would call naivete uh, in this specific transaction being consummated unwarranted at this time especially when france has been at the forefront uh, much earlier than uk uh, in dealing with the issues around that region, be it in India, be it with India and be it in the South China Sea uh, or be it in the Greek waters in the Mediterranean. Uh, you know, They have been at the forefront of all this and they're also in uh, the Sahel region and the Central African region trying to combat uh, the, um, the, uh, the Russians. Uh, as well as the other uh, you know, frigate groups. So to
0: isolate France and to kind
1: of uh, sideline Europe was, uh, was a very bad decision by US.
0: And Germany is now set to toughen its stance on China under the new coalition. Facing fuel, gas and food crises in post-pandemic UK, Bojo or Boris Johnson will announce aggressive measures to address the economy. British military to help with fuel deliveries from Monday. Sridharji, this is almost like military rations. Uh, What has happened is it's a very unusual situation
1: with regard to the gasoline distribution and as well as logistics. Apparently, close to 100,000 truck drivers uh, either on leave or not available due to pandemic, Brexit and other kinds of issues that have come about. So therefore, distribution loggerheads and not just on fuel, but also on food. So they have decided to summon the services of the military uh, to make sure that the supplies can be uh, eased. That seems to be the situation. Also, there's a very interesting um, dynamic which is namely uh, on the energy side, which is the heating. United United Kingdom has, when you look at the energy mix, it has a good mix coming from uh, the what you call as the alternate energy, uh, you know, wind and uh, primarily wind and solar. There seems to have been gyrations in terms of the volumes of uh, energy supply from its various sources, which they did not anticipate is causing some challenges. Remember, that uh, we United States were from net exporters to we have become net importers. There has also been challenges around the fuel supply. There has also been challenges around coal and therefore uh, the power generating from the coal plants. So you all have a combination of things as the economy tries to get out of pandemic and UK now not being part of Brexit has to deal with issues on its own, rather than be reliant with its partners.
0: And thousands rally in Romania over covid restrictions. The covid cases continue to marginally increase in Britain with active cases going up. And Right now, the active cases is at 1.347 million and the number of deaths at 136,910. The United Kingdom and Russia dominate active cases, followed by Poland, Ukraine, and Germany. Iran has asked U.S. to unfreeze 10 billion dollars of assets as a sign of goodwill for, I guess, continuing the talks. Your thoughts, Sridharji, On you know, are are these talks going to resume again? Because the freezing thing is not going to be done unless the a treaty is signed. I don't think uh, the Biden uh, administration is going to allow unfreezing first. It's the other way around, I would think. Yes, Biden administration is distracted by three things. It is distracted by infrastructure. It is distracted
1: by its stalled budget. It is distracted by its debt limit crisis and to add to its problems, it's also, um, you know, uh, handling two issues, the Afghan refugee crisis as well as the immigration. So it's not going to have much time in terms of putting its attention in Iran, let alone Taiwan and South China Sea. So what's going to happen? Iran is going to do what it wants to do and what it needs to do. So it is going to do in its own way. That is why you are seeing all kinds of activities and Iran is now extremely belligerent and it is very well supported to irritate the United States by Russia and Iran uh, and China.
0: Ethiopia, Ethiopia expels seven UN officials accusing them of meddling and major donors urge Tedros Tedros, to act quickly on the Congo sex scandal. This is the first time I'm hearing about this. Sridharji, a little bit more context on what is happening in Congo.
1: Well, I think that there is a UN program
0: um, and it
1: looks like the WHO officials, there's a lot of field research that happens uh, whenever the WHO programs are conducted. Um, you know, that's again, maybe another day, another topic, uh, you know, how WHO conducts and how there is a disconnect between what happens in the field and what really happens in the headquarters in terms of the dispensation of the various programs. But anyway, so it is alleged that in Congo, that some of these WHO workers or some of other people have been caught uh, in this uh, sex scandal. So that issue has popped up. Why it has popped up? It has popped up basically because from Congo to Sudan to Mali to Nigeria uh, to uh, Ethiopia, there's a whole spate of issues, either with UN or with WHO or with the mercenaries. You have issues propping up. And therefore, this issue has propped up and it has come to the forefront because last thing that WHO needs is another crisis that has nothing to do with the pandemic.
0: And in in United States news, Havana syndrome continues to baffle American officials as it takes its toll on diplomats, military and intelligence officials. This is now going on for some months if I remember correctly Sridharji. And, And the Havana syndrome is some strange after effects that people feel when they accompany the heads of state on various foreign missions. That's how I remember Sridharji it's not something that they should be able to they should be able to figure out what is going on isn't it
1: well if you recall uh, vice president harris um, took a day off and she was treated for some unknown um, ailment uh, in washington dc then she took off uh, to singapore she experienced similar issues some of the staff around experienced similar issues uh, it seems to be lurking under the radar it has come out at least one major Uh, publication or minor major publication is reporting that it is now, if you carefully uh, see the news, um, it is with the defence officials, it is with intelligence officials, and it is some of the critical administration people. It seems to target specific uh, uh, personalities uh, who are of importance. So whether it is one more um, instigated kind of Ailment that is prevalent uh, needs to be seen. Whether we'll get to the bottom of it, we'll never know. We haven't got to the bottom of anything uh, in the. We haven't got to the bottom of the elections. We haven't got to the bottom of uh, various scandals in the stimulus programs. We haven't got to the bottom of. Uh, uh, we haven't got to the bottom of uh, uh, this immigration issue. So we have a number of things that are uh, hurting
0: us. Uh,
1: and um, I don't see anything coming out of this Havana syndrome either.
0: And Biden goes on the offensive as his economic agenda teeters. Nancy Pelosi concedes defeat on the infrastructure bill. Biden asks Democrats to reduce the cost of social welfare bill and pass it with the infrastructure bill. This is, I think, something that requires some time. Because if I remember correctly, there was a group of Democrats, what, whom we call regressives who call themselves progressives, who are trying to tie one with the other. And this is what the Republicans are pushing back against because they are not voted on both. They just wanted the bipartisan infrastructure bill to pass. Srinivasan, maybe you can just walk us through a little bit on where it started, where it is now and where do you think it's going to end? So they start, we started with the infrastructure bill.
1: The infrastructure bill was required as an extension to the stimulus. If mm-hmm. you recall, we passed this child care program, which included uh, benefits, which included uh, what you call normalization of the benefits as spoiled of the ch- child tax credits. It also uh, added two elements. One is to provide support to the child care workers and also to provide parental care leave. So that was the program post the stimulus to so that the benefits flows through to the, uh, the young uh, adults or young children in the country. Then they came up with the infrastructure bill. The infrastructure bill was, uh, was uh, meant to address specific issues, uh, which is around six or seven sectors. $560 billion was allocated. They took out all those programs that was directed towards funding overseas but they've reduced it to about 1 trillion dollars or 1.2 trillion dollars remember they started at 2.1 went down to 600 billion then they made their way up to about 1.2 trillion dollars with extensions what are the programs roads ports infrastructure bridges tunnels airports and broadband and some augmentative support for manufacturing everybody agreed that is required Including the industry. And Biden personally campaigned with the Democrat, with the Republicans to get 10 Republican senators to get the 60 votes. So it sounded like a bipartisan. Okay, they got that, they passed it in the Senate. Now for it to be ratified, it has to go to the House. The House said, Hey, we are not going, we are going to keep this pending. Why? Because we want the budget bill of 3.5 trillion dollars should be passed through the reconciliation process which requires majority. So therefore, then they added amnesty to this and Nancy Pelosi and Progressive said, we will first pass the budget only then we will pass the infrastructure bill. So then it got into a big, big stalemate situation where the budget did not get passed People like Manchin, people like Sinema uh, stood up, Christian Sinema stood up, and also a bunch of other Republicans, uh, Democrats stood up and basically said, There is no way we're going to pass, and uh, this $3.5 is a drain. Why should I be passing a bill for 2022 and 23 right now? We should only curtail it. Actually, this has now watered down from $3.5 to about $1.5 trillion. Okay, now what has happened in the process? The infrastructure bill has been left hanging in the balance. So
0: much needed cash that is
1: required, both for jobs as well as for this, has been stalled.
0: And and what about the debt ceiling, Siji?
1: Nobody is talking about debt ceiling. The story is that the debt ceiling. So we are still on these two before we get to the debt ceiling. We are only a few days away from October fifteenth and basically what is going to happen is the debt ceiling is going to be passed and that is going to be another garland around the neck of the Democrats, which is they have borrowed their way out. They have not sequenced their priorities. They have added all different components and basically the progressives are saying, this is why we won the elections. This is our agenda. This is Biden's agenda. So 92 of us are going to come you know what we are not going to allow the debt ceiling or we are not going to allow uh, the infrastructure unless the mega bill is passed unless the amnesty amnesty is passed unless the um, climate accord is passed unless the child welfare accord is passed so these three things are a mandatory uh, requirements for anything to move Time and again, Pramila Jaypal, who is the leader of the Progressive has been making rounds. Even yesterday, she was on the television circuit making the case that this is Biden's agenda and Biden has to get it done. We're not going to budge an inch on any of these other two unless our, our mega budget, which has these elements I mentioned gets
0: passed. And Democrats fume over the stalling of bipartisan infrastructure bill. We should not fund changing in charging in electric gas stations as government doesn't fund gas, says in the infrastructure bill. So these are all nuances. If I see it, I mean things that can be sorted out. McConnell issues warning about raging radical left as Democratic leaders get clobbered over delays in passing the bipartisan infrastructure bill. So the pressure clearly is on the Democrat. Sridharji, one you know, simplistic thought, simplistic is that if Biden had done nothing from the 21st of January up until now, he would be enjoying a much higher approval rating than what he is doing right now. Nothing. He had just gone into Rip Van Winkle mode. He would have been better off because everything I see, the Democrats seem to be self-inflicting on themselves. In other words, the party is in war with itself. Harsh words, I don't know. You tell me, sir.
1: Now, elections were won on an agenda. I again go back to the letter or the email that President Obama wrote to the electorate in this Georgian rerun elections for the two Senate seats. He made it a point to say, This is the moment of reckoning. This is our time. We cannot let go of this opportunity. We have the House, we have the presidency we need to win both these seats. Remember, one seat, uh, when prior to the rerun was held by, uh, the, Repub- uh, the, by the Republicans, it was a 1-1, it would have been you know, different story. But in the rerun, because of the, the difference in votes, the agenda was very clearly stated, climate accord, social welfare program, amnesty for people, all this was in the agenda to be done, except it has gone out of kilter in terms of the volume and value. And similarly, this illegal open borders is one of the big agenda items of Bernie Sanders and the progressive groups that again has gone out of kilter. So, what's happening is Biden is unable to manage and administer for whatever reasons, and he's not able to set what you call leadership around what he wants to accomplish. He has left the progressives to run riot around the party and Nancy Pelosi for her own leadership survival is allowing this to run. That's why we have this
0: big problem. Well, uh, the the progressives could have been told you go and serve in the food kitchens around the border to see for yourself how (laughs) well your program is working. That would have brought in a dose of reality to them. Anyway, it's now too late. I mean, even now they can still go and do it sometimes this is what is called uh, putting your uh, money where your mouth is the mouth is pretty loud let us see how much they will do it themselves i mean this is just me musing loud i'm i'm a little you know concerned about the way this country is uh, you know deteriorating every day but that's just me total active cases reached 9.9 i don't know i'm not sure about this number uh, it's not it's not trillion sir i think there's something wrong uh, the i think it's 9.9 million and number of deaths at seven hundred and eighteen thousand nine hundred and eighty-six. The it clearly it has crossed the seven hundred thousand mark. Now Biden is getting the flak for going golfing while the issues rage across U.S. I mean there is not much a president can do if the people don't want to get vaccinated. That's just how I see it, Sriji. I could be in a horrible minority. Please tell me I am not. Well, firstly, it is uh, 9 million, uh, 9,
1: um, you know, it's 9.9 or 9.8 million active cases in the United States. Um, it is it's a significant number. Deaths has crossed 700,000, uh, 700, which is around 718,000. Um, bulk of the states make up a big number. The point that is being made is you can go on a holiday when you have a major crisis. That is confronting you. When you have a major crisis that confronts, then you have uh, this situation. So that is um, uh, that is the uh, 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 what you call from an optics point of view. He seems to be out of control, and this is the point that they're trying to make. Uh, you know, hey, you know, uh, where is your attention? And, your focus, uh, and Where is your focus? Uh, and where is your your priority?
0: And in market news, the Dow climbs over 480 points to start October, NASDAQ snaps a five-day losing streak, oil falls below $80, the 10-year Treasury yields are at 1.465%, Bitcoin rises to $48,039 and the Dow year-to-date return is at 13.66%, Standard & Poor's year-to-date is at 17.26% with the dividend. And Nasdaq is at thirteen percent. All in all, a banner year as far as the stock markets are concerned. Just like you predicted, Sridharji.
1: Well, I think uh, the uh, stimulus money continues to flow, uh, has flown, and uh, you are beginning to see the uh, effects. The interest rates is the criteria here. Eighty-five percent of the companies in the S and P uh, are trading profits, uh, predominantly driven by low low interest rate regime. And I think in twenty twenty one. We expect uh, the year to conclude um, around this, unless the bond vigilantes push up. We're not too far from the two percent. We may somewhere finish between one point five and two percent uh, as we close out the year. That is still a comfortable rate from an economic. I think what is going to hold in 2022 uh, is going to be uh, is going to be determined by what some of the economic or fiscal policy decisions that are going to be made by the administration. Monetary policy has held its way. The fiscal policy, which is namely if they're going to push this 4.5 trillion dollars, 3.5 budget plus 1.2 trillion stimulus. If they're going to push this 4.5, 4.7 trillion, really the two things that's one. One is interest rate, second is inflation um, they're going to be big headwinds as we look at
0: 2022. And with that, our DGI for today comes to an end. Viewers, a couple of announcements. We're going to take a break from DGI for a couple of weeks and then we'll be back again. Do like this program. Do join our membership program. Do subscribe all the other daily events such as today's Ask Abhijit will be on. It's just that uh, the Daily Global News is going to be taking a break as we try to figure out how better to serve content to you. Please stay tuned. Please give us your support. We've been excellent so far. The last month was a banner month and we continue to hope to do well, uh, if not better. Sridharji, thank you very much, sir. And we'll be back again very shortly please look at our social media announcements for when DGI will be resuming again. Namaskar and thank you very much.
1: Namaskar, thank you. Thank you all for all your support as we take a break and come back in uh, two weeks' time uh, with Renewed uh, you know, Vigor and bringing you know, more insights as to what's happening around the world.